Welcome to Style by Mary Michelle, a podcast designed to empower you through personal style. I'm your host, Mary Michelle Nidefer, a master style coach, founder of Style Finder Boutique, and creator of the Style Finder ID system. I'm here to help you know what to wear, how to wear it, and how to get dressed in seven minutes or less. Let's go. Well, welcome back to the podcast. I'm here today with a fabulous guest, Catherine Ewing. Catherine Ewing is founder of Sacred Heart Alchemy. She is a spiritually focused women's transformational life coach and mentor, EFT practitioner, minister of spiritual peacemaking. I want to hear more on that. Psychotherapist and energy healing practitioner. A student of the Mind-Body-Spirit Connection for over 25 years and expert in trauma and loss, she is also a TEDx speaker, co-author of the book Incredible Life, and a workshop and retreat leader. In addition to her work with individuals and groups, Catherine trains mental health professionals in the use of alternative modalities in psychotherapy and offers workshops and retreats on a variety of topics related to the Mind-Body-Spirit Connection spiritual awakening, and women's transformation at midlife. She is passionate about helping those she works with to release old beliefs, behaviors, and emotions that keep them physically, mentally, and emotionally unhealthy and unfulfilled, and helping women in midlife to birth their brilliance. When she's not working, Catherine enjoys yoga, hiking, meditation, being active outdoors, singing, and being involved with her spiritual community, Unity of Greater Hartford. She also loves spending time with her three adult children and adorable grandson. Catherine, welcome. Welcome. I am so I, I need to shorten that thing. <laughs> no worries. No worries. Well, I'm delighted. I'm delighted to be here. Well, I am so excited to, to talk with you today. I just feel like in reading, learning about you and what you do. You know, so much of my own journey, I know I talk so much about style in my podcast, but so much of my own personal journey is just, you know, it just, this speaks to me. This is like my, the work that I have been doing on myself. Yeah. And I just cannot wait to to hear more from you. Yeah. Well, I'm excited too. You know, as you know, when, when we connected, I said, style, that's not really my thing. <laughs> but I do believe that you know, we are in a period of time and not just this month or this week, but we have been increasingly over the last 15 years where more and more women, I, I feel like, are awakening to these different issues, topics, whether it's, you know, a, a transition that they've come into in their own life or a, a spiritual awakening of some kind where this energy of what I call the divine feminine is really um rising up on the planet and women are feeling it in all sorts of different ways so i'm delighted to you know dive into that conversation as well as you know anything else that you want to bring forward today yes well tell me what does it mean to be a minister of spiritual peacemaking tell me more well that could be a whole <laughs> show in and of itself but so well, I'm, I'm going to back up long before I ever went into the ministry to say that probably the first moment of sort of radicalization I can remember was in second grade when I was brand new in Catholic school 
And the nun was asking us all what we wanted to be when we grew up. And I said, a priest. <laughs> and clearly got the smackdown on them. Like, oh, yeah, no. That's not happening. <laughs> and so I think that I had a leaning towards spirituality, mysticism, not so much the dogma of, of any traditional religion, but more this mystical connection with something that I sensed was greater. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, life went on and I didn't become a priest, but um, years later, I felt a calling to do something. And I thought it was just to get another degree. So I was literally trying to find a structure, a university, some kind of school that would allow me to sort of do a doctorate, but pick and choose what I wanted. And I wanted peace work, women's studies, and law of attraction all together. Like I wanted to create a program that would bring all of those elements together at one time. And of course, nothing existed like that. And this was, you know, back in the day when even trying to find anything on the internet was pretty hard it was in the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. So I was searching one day and not really finding anything. And finally, you know, my kids were stirring upstairs and whatever. And I put that aside and went back to my emails. And in my email was a letter or an email from uh, a guy by the name of James Twineman, who I knew as a a spiritual troubadour. He had put the peace prayers of all the major spiritual traditions to music through having had that music channeled to him in, in a very, um, you know, clear moment of connection with spirit. Mm -hmm. And his email was to say, I've been guided by spirit to open a seminary, to start a seminary program. Um, it's going to be based on spiritual traditions around peace the all what brings all the different spiritual traditions together the re-emergence of the divine feminine energy onto the planet and sort of law of attraction and manifestation and mary i'm telling you my entire body started to tingle and shake and i had tears streaming down my face and i said well this sounds just like what i was looking for and i and it and I remember this so clearly, this was in 2003 and um, Jimmy, well, which is what I call him, had said, you know, I'm just gauging interest. Um, if you're interested, just, you know, hit reply and put yes in the subject line. And I put yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so without any like knowing what it even entailed, what the cost was, what the commitment was, I just knew my, my body knew mm -hmm. that this was what I was meant to do. And so I entered, we started the following January with over six, over 400 of us from around the world, mm -hmm. from all different traditions and cultures, um, studying the similarities, the places where not only religion, but native traditions, indigenous traditions, uh, and spiritual practices came together. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so it was it was really two years of studying different um, traditions, mm -hmm. their prayers around uh, peace mm -hmm. and uh, being peace, mm -hmm. being peace in the world, um, 
We also had many wonderful teachers around um, the balance of the masculine and feminine energy on the planet and you know how the masculine has had become out of balance mm -hmm. and the need to bring more of the feminine, intuitive, nurturing, fluid, mm -hmm. you know, um, compassionate, just a different, a different energy than uh, what the what we had known as, you know, kind of the out of balance male energy, because that's certainly not the divine masculine energy. Mm -hmm. And then a lot around law of attraction. We had great teachers like Jack Canfield and and uh, Marianne Williamson taught in our class and, and Reverend Michael Beckwith and, you know, amazing leaders, thought leaders in those three areas. And I was able to go to um, Israel for two weeks and work with the Jerusalem peacemakers um, mm -hmm. to see how they were uh, working to create peace in the Middle East, very grassroots efforts. Mm -hmm. And my the, the sort of the key words of this whole program were, were surrender, trust, and gratitude. And mm -hmm. so for the last, well, let's see, I was ordained in 2005. So for the last 16 years, that has been sort of my um, guiding light, surrender, trust, and gratitude, and continuing wow. to step into that. And it required me to step out of some of what I was doing at the time, because I was a real social activist. I worked in the political arena for a while, and I realized I had to step away from that because I was I was pushing against, I was giving my energy to what I didn't want. <laughs> and it has taken me, it took me more than 10 years before I started to come forward with other programs and things that were more in alignment with what I did want. So my, my energy mm -hmm. is not pushing against what I don't want, but aligning with what I do want, um, mm -hmm. which for me is to create heaven on earth, right? Where every person is honored, recognized, given the opportunity to live into the highest expression of themselves. Mm, I love it. I love it. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting. I and I, I have been. Um, I listened to something recently where I heard a quote from Mother Teresa, and she was talking about someone who was trying to get her to participate in an anti-war rally, and she said, "No, no, I'm not going to have anything to do with it. But you have a pro-peace rally, and I'm there." Yes. And so, it's, well, the same. Actually, a very similar thing happened to me because you know I used to be, as I said, very active in politics. I was a union organizer, you know, women's rights, you know, reproductive rights worker, and as part of that, you know, circle of people that I was still connected with, we went to a rally here, you know, in Hartford years ago on the one year anniversary of the bombing of uh, in the Middle East. Um, anyway, I was sort of standing on the sideline reading my prayers for peace. <laughs> and there were some students from the University of Hartford doing a survey and they were walking around saying, well, who are you for and who are you against? And, you know, what agenda do you want to push? And I kept, you know, I would say, well, I'm really not against I'm I'm just here holding a space for peace and, and they just couldn't like they couldn't wrap their heads around it. I'm sure. <laughs> but I'm that sure. you know thank you Mother Teresa because that sort of that same energy. Yes. Um whereas in the past that would have been yeah you know and chanting and you know uh pushing against and calling out the the bad guys and it's still a challenge 
in in the climate that we're in today. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not something that you master and then you're just, you know. <laughs> no, it's, it's a daily it's challenge. A challenge in the conversations around politics or COVID or vaccinations, you know, just all of it. Yes. How do I hold the space for listening mm. or opening to someone else's perspective point of view how do i not make that person wrong Mm -hmm. um how do i recognize they have their own set of circumstances on their journey that has brought them to that particular point of view and position yes um and and not add to the separation and the division Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah, it's um absolutely that's powerful. It's a work. It's a work in progress. I'm a work in progress. You know, I call We're it all works in progress. And ladders. You know, we are all works in progress. <laughs> Sometimes we got the ladder up, and then. <laughs> oh. Now, Catherine, you talk a lot about healing trauma. Yeah. Tell us what you mean by trauma and why you feel like that's so important. Mm. That's a really great question. Um, because there are so many different definitions of trauma. And I love what Dr. Gabor Mate, who is an expert in trauma, has to say about that. In fact, I led with this in my TED Talk. And it's, it, he says, trauma isn't what happened to you. It's what happens inside of you as a result of what happened to you. Mm. So probably the simplest you know, way to explain that a little further is that two people can experience the same thing Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it can impact them very differently. Mm -hmm. So trauma is more what you make it mean. Is that what what I hear you saying? It's more how you interpret. Yes, yes. But the interpretation isn't simply in your mind because everything is energy. So everything that you have experienced up until this point in this lifetime, and if you have a belief in, in, you know, other lifetimes, that's all part of your soul signature as well. So whatever is already present in our emotional body, in our energetic body, in the wiring of our neural circuitry (laughs) around survival, everybody's experience is different. And so when there's an event outside of us, it's all going to get interpreted through that combination of mental, you know, emotional, physical, neurological circuitry. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I had an example where I was seeing a couple of clients who were actually in a car accident together. And one, and they, you know, they were similar in a lot of ways. They were about the same age. They were friends. One was driving, one wasn't. So that was a little bit different. But one had not been able to get back in a car since that accident. The other was fine, except when she was driving under certain conditions and very sort of crowded highway conditions. So they each interpreted that experience from whatever belief systems and neural pathways their own brain had already organized around safety in the world Mm because trauma is always when our sense of safety and survival has been 
threatened in some way, right? That fight or flight mm -hmm. response. Mm -hmm. And so the more experiences we've had, particularly early on in life, because what science has shown us now is that our basic sense of ourselves, our sense of the world, what we can expect from it, whether we feel safe in it, whether our needs will be met, whether our uh, desires will be considered, whether our opinion is valued, are all pretty much set in place by the time we're six or seven years old. You know, from the time literally we're in utero mm -hmm. until that age when our brain is more developed into the, the beta brainwave state, we're like little sponges. We're just taking in everything from our environment, from our mother's mental and emotional and physical condition, from what's happening in her world, whether she's, you know, in an unhealthy relationship, whether she feels shamed because of the pregnancy, right? Um, so all of that literally affects the neural development of the infant. <clears throat> and then of course, everything that happens once we're born in our environment, in our family system, in our religious tradition, in our economic, you know, financial system. And then those neural pathways are pretty well set. And then everything after that just gets run through those. It's like that's the filter that we experience everything through. Yeah. So I know that was a long explanation, but <laughs> this, this um, understanding that those pathways are pretty much fixed mm -hmm. by the time we're six or seven is really significant because what it means then is that if we don't do anything consciously and intentionally to rewire our brains to heal the trauma that we may have experienced whether it was just the trauma of being ignored or the trauma of being beaten every day, right? I mean, there's, um, we just continue being reactive to those experiences. Mm. So healing for me, doing the deep of work of healing the trauma, which means having to go beyond the conscious mind because it's, it's literally held in the tissue of the body it's held in the cells otherwise we just stay reactive to that our whole lives and there we we lose the um ability to fully express ourselves as the divine sovereign spiritual beings that we are who chose to come into this physical form to have this life experience so we end up being defined by our story as opposed to being able to step more fully into our spiritual truth. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, when you work with your clients, how do you, how do you help them get past this? Carefully, <laughs> lovingly, um, with a lot of gratitude, really for their courage to do this work. Mm -hmm. That's for me to create that container of safety where I can say, I see you, I hear you, I don't think you're crazy. I think that you've adapted some ways of living, 
surviving that worked for you then, Mm -hmm. but are not working for you now. Mm. So that's sort of the container, right, within which we uh, work. And then I use a lot of energy-based practices, calming practices, practices to calm the amygdala or the vagus nerve so that we can actually begin to revisit some of those experiences that resulted in trauma Mm -hmm. um, without overwhelming the nervous system, Mm -hmm. without sending the person into a panic attack or a PTSD response. Mm -hmm. Um, But I use a lot of tapping emotional freedom technique, Mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, otherwise called acupuncture without needles. I, Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a, modality that I learned in 2006 after about 10 years of serious work. I went through seminary all that time, got trained as an energy healer, right? Practiced many different kinds of energy healing modalities. But when I learned the, I kept going because I didn't feel like I had found the thing that was really going to work for my clients. And for me, I almost left therapy because I, the limitations of traditional talk therapy were um, beyond frustrating for me. I felt like I was doing a disservice to my clients by just having them talk about things, but not really seeing the deep change and healing. But when I learned EFT, um, it is the perfect blend of talk therapy because you, you know, you do use words, you do, you know, there are things we say, we talk, and I ask people, you know, how that feels in your body and what thoughts do you have about that and what emotions are coming up. So we kind of create a structure and then we start to move the energy while we're focused on a particular event or belief system or fear or anxiety response. And it allows us to go deep while keeping Uh, the dial turned down on the the amygdala, the tapping has the effect in the brain of keeping that amygdala, which is the part of the brain that wants to go into that fight or flight response, right? It's the part that's like the the guard in the watchtower, right? What's happening? What do I have to be careful of? What could possibly hurt me? And when we can turn that down, so it doesn't send the message to start the adrenaline and the cortisol running through the body, we can more gracefully dive into really difficult areas Mm -hmm. and allow that trauma that's been trapped into the body to be moved through the tapping on the acupuncture points Mm -hmm. and sort of complete its cycle and be discharged from the body. And the more we do that, then the less the person is triggered from things in the outside world because they have less, I call it on the, you know, the dartboard of their life with all the trauma imprints on it, right? The more of those we can heal and sort of bring down the inflammation and the, you know, the soreness of it and and make it smaller. So it's like maybe a paper cut instead of a gaping wound. They're less likely to be so triggered by everyday life, something somebody says, or the way somebody looks at them, or cuts them off in traffic, or 
they get called into the boss's office and they immediately have a panic attack instead of, right? So it just allows people to go through life more gracefully. Absolutely. A whole lot lot of energy uh, practices. Heart brain coherence from the Heart Math Institute is one that I teach everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a three minute exercise that changes the chemistry that's moving through the body. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot that people can learn and do for their own self-care. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the heavier lifting, you know, we, we save to do together, but they do have a lot of tools and techniques to use on their own. If they're feeling anxious, if they feel like a panic attack coming on, if they're going on a job interview, if they have to give a presentation at work, if they're seeing their, their spouse to drop off the kids and there's a lot of you know, energy <laughs> well, there. Right. Absolutely. I'm a big believer in EFT and I, I discovered it years and years ago. Um, someone introduced it to me, gosh, over 20 years ago, and I just never really did anything with it. But in the past, probably six months or so, I've started using it and it is powerful. Yeah, it's made it. And, you know, I'm not I'm just doing it in my own way on myself, but it is powerful to, you know, to have something that can help you. I'm highly sensitive. And so, you know, when yeah. something comes up for me, it's like, oh, you know, it's just, off mm-hmm. the heart. and so to have something that can kind of dirt, turn the dial down, like you mentioned. Yeah. Is, I mean, that's necessary in this day and age just to. It's, yeah. Necessary. And just so super helpful. I mean, let's face it. Our, all of our stress levels are so high these days, you know, there's just so much going on. And what I love, you know, when I learned EFT, it was funny, the same weekend, there was an EFT training and an EMDR training. And I was like, oh, which one? And I was drawn to the EFT um, more because I think it suits my style. It's, there's a structure to it, but it's not, you know, you have to do 10 sessions and it has to be this way and this has to follow. (laughs) And, so it's a little looser. It's more of an art than a science. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it's portable in the sense that clients can take it out of the office and use it on their own between sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, and in EMDR, re, you know, requires a trained facilitator, which I, I completely understand. But um, I was looking for something that could empower my clients, you know, day to day where they could tap on their anxiety or their fear or, you know, whatever might be, might come, might be coming up for them. Mm -hmm. And the longer you do it, I mean, I have had such profound spiritual experiences with clients Mm -hmm. doing tapping or, you know, past life memories have come through, or in one case, this brilliant, beautiful light shone down over somebody the whole time. And this is on zoom. Wow. (laughs) I won't go into it, but so it's, it's much more than just this. Oh yeah. It's this tapping thing. And you know, it, it really is a profound um, process. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You mentioned a connection between trauma and purpose. How do you think that comes into play for midlife women? So this is my theory. <laughs> so, you know, take it or leave it, but I believe that our souls come in with 
kind of a blueprint mm. for what we're here to do. It's not just to get through life every day and make the best of it. Mm -hmm. I also think that our souls choose the perfect set of circumstances to be born into for us to grow into our purpose. And I'm hesitating because I think, you know, we all sort of have a purpose of finding our highest expression and, you know, and, and living in the highest truth of ourselves. I think generally that's a purpose for all of us. But then um, there is a more unique purpose, right, that each of us come in with. Mm -hmm. And so through the, those early life experiences, through the things that you've been exposed to and maybe it wasn't always in early life it could have been something that happened later in your life mm -hmm. but i think the experiences that we go through when we can then do the healing around that mm -hmm. we come out the other side mm -hmm. often with a purpose that feels connected to what it is we may have been through so whether, you know, we experienced some kind of child abuse or whether we lost the child, maybe, maybe we miscarried, maybe, you know, whatever the experiences are, maybe we grew up, you know, in a home with an alcoholic parent or a parent with mental illness, very often that will shape who we become mm -hmm. later in life. And I don't know that that's true for everybody, mm -hmm. but I do believe that many people find purpose when they can heal from their earlier experiences and take the wisdom, take the lessons, take even the, the passion that um, they have inside of them around uh, a particular issue or topic or subject. And mm -hmm. then that becomes their life's work. Absolutely. Well, I, I can totally relate to that because, you know, I, I had a great childhood. My parents were amazing. There was never any trauma per se, but I think that because I struggled with my weight and I was highly sensitive that I internalized and my, um, my dad had some stuff around weight and because of his own challenges. And mm -hmm. I think I, I made it mean that I wasn't, if I was overweight, I wasn't worthy. I wasn't good enough and I wasn't beautiful. I wasn't attractive. And I carried that with me for a very long time. Yeah. And I, the trauma came from myself. It was self-induced trauma, I believe, <laughs> because I used to tell myself all the time, you're not good enough. You're too fat. You're, you know, all the negative stuff. And I internalized that. And it wasn't until I was about 35 and had my first child that I said, you know, I don't, I want to be a good role model for her. Uh -huh. And I think that really put me on a path to heal my own wounds and then to help other women. Yeah. Because I say now that my purpose is to empower women through personal style. Style yeah. is the vehicle, but it's, you know, when women can put on clothes and see their beauty and see how amazing they are and start to feel like I am enough. There's nothing that's lacking. You know, that's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that out because I think when people hear trauma, they think we had to have had had some terrible experiences. Mm. And 
you know, you may have heard this before, sort of the big T trauma and then the little T trauma, right? So even when we have loving parents, they were human beings. <laughs> they had their own belief systems. They had their own losses, right? Their own ways of surviving in the world. And I am sure that your father never set out to hurt you, to, you know, ruin your self-confidence, to set all these ideas in your mind. But children, again, interpret, right? Maybe I'm not lovable. Maybe I'm not good enough. I, I you know, whatever. I need to do better. I need to. So we do. We take on other people's energy and especially if we're sensitive and i think i think so many of us are i didn't even realize how sensitive i was until you know oh i got older and i started studying all of this so we take on other people's energies of disappointment or whatever we might be picking up and then we make a story about it in our own minds so again it's not like you know, I mean, I have some clients where the father's pulled out the scale every night before dinner and got you on it and shamed you and then determined what you were going to have for dinner based on, and this is at six and seven and eight years old, like, mm -hmm. no kidding. So, you know, that's sort of one extreme or they withhold food or they lock up the goodies or whatever, or the other kids get to eat this, but you eat that because your body's a little bit different maybe than your siblings or you're at a different stage in development and you're carrying a little more weight, but a child will interpret that as I'm different. I'm not okay the way I am. I'm not lovable. I'm not worthy. I'm not deserving. Daddy doesn't like me or love me like this mm -hmm. you know and then try to do things to alter the appearance in order to feel that love back again feel that acceptance back again so it's very so it can be very subtle mm -hmm. but still very powerful yes you know one of the questions i have a list of questions as a highly sensitive person i have all these questions that i ask myself if when I'm triggered by something and it's really helped me. But the first one is, what are you making this mean? Because I, I realized that, you know, it, it is the way I interpreted so much that that's what caused me the trauma, the way I what I made it mean. Yeah. And that's helped me to kind of shift things like, OK, how can I? And I love Marianne Williamson's work. How can I see this differently? Mm -hmm. That's been so powerful. Right. And what I made it mean when I was six or seven or eight or 11 doesn't have to be the same thing that I make it mean now, if I make it mean anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I was talking about, rewiring those neural pathways. So it's not that automatic. I just go there automatically. It's like, well, wait a minute. Is that even true? Yeah. Do I do I even believe that? Or is that just a story I'm telling? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I love what Marianne Williamson said in uh, Return to Love. What, mm -hmm. That book changed my life. Yeah. But one thing that she said that really struck me is the miracle is basically just a change in your perception. Mm -hmm. How can I see this differently? And I know <laughs> when I ask myself, how can I see something differently? Now, I'm not saying that the heels 
every, anything, but it can help you to help me has helped me to navigate life in a much easier way. Yeah. Well, it's a moment of awareness. It's a stepping back from the old programming, the automatic, you know, programs and patterns and, and voices in our head. Mm-hmm. And the moment we step back and become the observer rather than the one who's caught in the mental construct, mm-hmm. right? So that is healing in and of itself. It's, it's the first step, the awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the ability to ask ourselves the question, is this really true? How is, can I tell a different story about this, right? How is that serving me? Is it still serving me? We have to be able to do that to create some distance in order to allow any healing, you know, to occur. Absolutely. Now, I know you talked about how we're living in a powerful time for awakening, healing, and transformation. What do you think makes this such a powerful time? And how can we step into it in a deeper way? Well, the short answer, and I'm going to do a disclaimer, I am not an astrologer, I am not a cosmologist, <laughs> not any of those things, but, you know, I've been reading enough about this for the last 25 years that I feel like I can offer, like, you know, the, the ascension for dummies, sort of. <laughs> we are in, as, as the Earth moves through its orbit, there's a 20 like 6,000 year cycle and we are right now in a period where we are moving through this photon belt where there is um, much more light energy coming onto the planet than there has been for you know centuries Mm. And, um, you know, there's also long-term astrological alignments and all of that. But, we, you know, we are actually in the age of Aquarius as the fifth dimension. <laughs> Let us know we were coming into, right? But it, but it really is a point in time where from the, from the perspective of divine timing, light, light energy, where we have come as um, a humanity in our own evolution, that everything that has been hidden in the shadows, everything that has been in the dark, as the light comes in, it's being forced to the surface. Mm. So You know, I remember reading 20 years ago that we were going to come to this period of time where all of our major systems were going to collapse. Mm -hmm. So a new, more equitable, loving, balanced world could be built. Mm -hmm. So economics, education, medicine, finance, banking, religion. And I used to think, how? in heaven's name, is that all going to happen? Like how all of those systems collapse at the same time Mm -hmm. and then something new arise. And then Mm -hmm. we got halfway through COVID and I went, oh, (laughs) wait a minute. (laughs) 
this is happening right now. <laughs> like we are in the middle of this literal breakdown of all of these systems that have been built on this foundation of again, I want to say sort of and, and you know, not anti-male, but out of balance egoic masculine energy power ahead greed you know get to the top at all costs right whatever we have to do to the earth whatever we do to the environment whatever we do to you know other people you know this this push 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 this very linear you know we got to get from here to here um that has brought us to the brink of you know near disaster in almost every realm you can imagine. Mm -hmm. And um, part of the reemergence of the divine feminine has, has also been sort of predicted, if you will, to, to be starting around the year 2000. So, so we sort of knew that was coming and it's, um, you know, the, the feminine, the divine feminine energy that has been sort of pushed down or back, however you want to say it, um, is now, you know, we see it with, with Me Too, we see it with, you know, mm -hmm. all the things where, you know, we see with women coming forward in all these different arenas, right? Political, um, sports. And we're also noticing, as I mentioned before, more than a, more of us saying, wait a minute, this push hard, push hard, push hard, get ahead at no cost. Mm -hmm. It's just not working. It's not sustainable. It's burned us out. It's stressed us. It's made a few people really wealthy and most of us just stressed out. Yes. And um, we've got to find a different way to do things. And this is where this, you know, rising of the divine feminine energy is going to bring that more into balance where we're not having the ego be in charge of all the decisions, mm -hmm. but allowing our intuition, right? Our inner knowing, our connection to spirit to bubble up to the surface where stepping out of jobs, relationships, situations that have not served us so that we can create something that's more in alignment with what we're be feeling called to more yeah. self-care more time for connection more introspection more <clears throat> trusting our intuition more loving our sensitive selves because we realize how connected we are to everything yes. and when we're that connected to everything then we care about everything. We can't be linear, mm -hmm. right? We can't be linear because we're connected to everything. And even women's brains are organized. You know, men's and women's brains are organized very differently. I don't know if you ever watched that. Um, I think it was on PBS years ago uh, with John Gray doing the men are from Mars and women are from Venus talk. Oh, and he has these two um stands and one has a male head like bronze head on it another one and in, on the back of the male head he has all these little boxes drawn like like you would see on a um workbench 
all the little boxes that uh -huh. this holds a quarter inch screw and this holds the eighth inch <laughs> screw and this yeah. one doesn't touch that one and everything has to be in its right box and there's a little and then the women's it's just this complexity of wires and everything touches everything else and it's like <laughs> that's and fascinating if you think about it from a survival and a biological point of view mm -hmm. men literally needed to be single focused mm -hmm. for the hunt mm -hmm. like they needed to go out get the animal bring it home feed Mm -hmm. the community meanwhile women were raising children taking care of the elderly cooking mm -hmm. the meals yes. you know uh, uh passing on the verbal you know the history of the of the tribe or the community right they were taking care of everything everything was connected yes everything is connected in a woman's mind and i think that's that, why yeah. in relationships we want to have the emotional connection before we have sex with somebody mm -hmm. and men think the sex is going to what make, be what makes us feel connected like <laughs> oh, we got our wires crossed on that but it is because women's brains are literally mm -hmm. wired in such a way where those connections are well, it's so interesting because you know men can they can compartmentalize they have a fight with their wife and then they can just put that over here in a box and okay i'm going to show up and i'm going to just you know go through my day and not think about that but then then i can come back to that later women can't do that i know i yeah, can't not as, not as well no yes no not again, as well because it's you know you described it. that little you know Mm -hmm. box perfectly this goes here this goes here the mother-in-law box never touches the work box and and women are not like that at all it's all connected yes you know? and we're involved in more of it all in a more fluid way yes yes for sure i know that the the dalai lama said that the western woman is going to save the world what do you think he meant by that well I'm not in the Dalai Lama's head, but my, <laughs> but what's your interpretation? What, what I would say is <clears throat> that I think women who live in the West have the education for the most part, not, you know, not everybody. It's, you know, we can't, we can't generalize everything, but in terms of where many women in the world are at still literally living in survival, right mm -hmm. living in poverty living in survival living hand to mouth women in the western world have the education and the financial resources and more safety to speak out and speak up and with the internet and everything else mm -hmm. uh, the ability to collaborate and communicate and um share messages in a way that many many women in the world still do not i mean i you know i i was just you know this is kind of like a little aside but i was listening to an interview yesterday for indigenous people's day and i had heard this before but it just came back to me you know <clears throat> we all were recently caught up in the um the murder of gabby petito right that young girl and you know it was obviously terrible and my heart goes out for her in that situation and for her family but <clears throat> nobody talks about the, the thousand indigenous women and girls who have gone missing 
in that same area of the country in the last you know number of years so who has the power you know it, ten it tends to be people with privilege and the ability to you know have resources and visibility so that's where i would yeah. take that well that makes a lot of sense i love it anything else you'd like to share with us today so i guess in you know what i my, my message on, on my website um, and I sort of alluded to this earlier, but what I what I would love listeners to know if they don't already know this is that they're not broken. Mm. They may have learned some ways of coping and surviving in whatever conditions they were in that maybe were not the healthiest. Mm -hmm and are probably not serving them any longer. And that there is a way through, there is a way through to healing. You know, so many women have said, I, I just felt so broken. I felt like there was no place else to go, nothing more I could do. Mm -hmm. Like there was something wrong with me. And that's, that's the belief system that I would hope to dispel. Yes. Right, is that you are a unique expression of divine source energy. Mm -hmm. And your soul came here to have the experience of living in human form. Mm. But your core essence is as a spiritual being. And as you said, the rest of it is story. Yes, we had all those things happen. So just know that at your very core, you are spirit in this you know physical form and that whatever you've been through you have the capacity and the ability to heal and change and grow you know into the highest expression um, of yourself of your soul in this lifetime amen to that that was amen, powerful sister <laughs> You know, it just it, it's so fascinating owning a, a women's clothing boutique and I, we have clients who come in and they say, fix me. And I mm -hmm. the first thing I say is you do not need to be fixed. You are not broken. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, yeah. I, and so and I, how pervasive that idea. <clears throat> I mean, so I know we're closing, but even in the spiritual world, sometimes we could get caught up in the. Mm -hmm. Oh, I got to fix myself. I got to do the spiritual thing. I'd be on the spiritual journey, you know, and all the self-development and the self-improvement. And it's a fine line, you know, like yeah. there's some, there's always this message. There's something wrong with you. Make, I say to my clients, don't make a project out of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> right? You're not a project. You're a beautiful uh -huh. soul uh -huh. uncovering mm -hmm. layers of protection. Anyway, you get I love the idea. It. I love it. <laughs> Catherine, this has been so amazing. Thank you so much for sharing yeah. all your wisdom. Now, I will be sure and put all your links in the show notes. But if you want to tell everybody, like, how you do you work with your clients via Zoom around the world? Or how I do. I do. Pre-COVID, I was doing more therapy than coaching. But I have moved everything um, onto Zoom at this point. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, going forward, I, I'm no longer accepting therapy clients. 
-hmm. because, you know, because that restricts me to who I can see and the insurance and all that. So yes, um, you know, I can work with anyone from anywhere around the world, as long as we've, you know, we've got a connection. I actually can, can do phone with people too, but I like if we're doing the energy things and there's, you know, movement involved. I like, I like being able to see each other. Tapping on the right points. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or even I just like to see anybody. I like to see yes. the person anyway. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> but absolutely. Yeah. So people, you know, um, can go to my website, which is www.sacredheartalchemy.com. And there's a contact form there. You know, if people just want to get in touch. I will say it's a somewhat outdated mm-hmm. <laughs> website because that is that's not my judgment. <laughs> so it um, is, but it is still a way to reach me. They can find me just on Facebook or Instagram, or I do have a women's uh, group on Facebook called oh. Divinely Inspired Feminine Leaders. Okay. So, you know, I'm there too. Yes. And what's your, what are you on Instagram? What's your handle on Instagram? Oh, B-E-W-I-N-G-144. Okay. Well, I'm not a great Instagrammer. You know, I'm not that generation. (laughs) I'm trying to, I'm trying to like be there. Oh, maybe you could be doing some reels and some TikToks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'll be sure and put all your links in the show notes. Please go connect with Catherine. She is just powerful. Love hearing what you have to say. Thank you so much for being here today. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for connecting and, uh, you know, sharing this opportunity. Absolutely. Thanks for tuning in to Style by Mary Michelle, where women come to get dressed in seven minutes or less. If you enjoyed this podcast, I invite you to leave me a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Style by Mary Michelle and shop our boutique at shopstylefinder.com for the best in upscale casual apparel. Better yet, if you're in the Raleigh area, come see us. We're located in the North Hills Shopping Center, the premier shopping district in Midtown Raleigh. For details and links mentioned in this episode, be sure to see the show notes. Have a beautiful week.